Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have John Sweetman coming to bring God's Word with us this morning. For those of you who don't know John, John is um, connected in many ways with us as a church family. And John um, was formerly the principal of Malian Theological College, the Baptist Theological College here in Queensland, and is currently the interim director of our movement as well. So you better give John a big welcome as he comes to share with us this morning. Be good. better shut the music down. If you keep playing, I'm going to do a waltz here. I love it. Anyway, (laughs) I just refrained. I felt like doing it down the front, but I thought Bridgie's probably not ready for that or the QB movement's probably not ready for that anyway. (laughs) Recently, I had a biopsy on my head. A number of you actually have said, it must be when I'm preaching, I lean over and my bald head reflects the light, but there's been a spot, a dark spot on my head that a couple of people have mentioned, you better get it checked up, and I I was keeping an eye on it, but it was growing, and so the doctor got worried about it, sent me off for a a biopsy on it, and he was convinced that there was either something wrong now, or there would be something wrong in the future, Uh, so he talked about plastic surgery and all the rest that would be be necessary uh, with it. Anyway, so I got my biopsy, cut the bit out, and uh, and sent it off to be tested. And a week later, I went back to the doctor and I came into the, uh, into the surgery and he was sitting sort of glumly there. And I thought, oh, all the week I've been thinking, oh, what does this mean and what's it going to be like? And, and he, he turned to me and with suddenly a big smile came over his face and he said, he said uh, you're clear. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, well, not only is it not malignant at the moment, but it's the sort of uh, cells that could never terminate. We'll never have to worry about this again. And then he started to dance around the office, you know, <laughs> surgery. I'd never seen him like that before, you know. And I said, what, what's, what's getting into you? He says, I don't get to give good news very much, do you know what I mean? Mostly it's bad news. And uh, I'm so pleased to be able to give someone some good news. Now, I know I've had some other bad news, and I'm sure many of you have bad news too, so I'm not saying that happens all the time. But it was, it was exciting for him to give some good news to people. I'm a bit the same, uh, at, at, when I was principal at Malian, at the end of the year, we went through all the students' results. Uh, so you would check how they went and what you expected them to be. And anyone who failed a, a subject, uh, we would ask for a volunteer to, to ring them up and to tell them that they'd failed because we wanted them to know straight away that they'd failed rather than waiting a couple of months till the results came out. Uh, being principal of the college, I always look for someone else to do that. So I would look around... Uh, for other faculty members to do that. But occasionally we come across a result that was either outstanding or much better than what we'd expected or much better than a student's done so in the past. And we'd ask for volunteers to ring this person up and to, and to tell them that they'd done very, very well. And I was always the first with my hand up to do that because it was always so exciting because you'd ring them up and uh, that's answer and you'd say, oh, oh, this is John Sweetman here. And admit, you could feel over the phone, oh, no, I failed, you know, because always, if you fail, we'll ring you up, you know, oh, no, I failed. And then you got to pass on the good news. It's great passing on good news. Not, some of us can, can pass on bad news quite well too. I remember a pastor that I was quite close to at one time. As, as soon as he heard any criticism in the church, he'd go straight around to that person's place and t- and confront them with, with what they'd said. So uh, he didn't mind passing on bad news, but that's never been me, right? I've, I enjoy passing on good news. I'm reticent to pass on bad news. And probably most of us uh, in, are in the same boat. So it's very fortunate, isn't it, that 
the gospel that we have is good news <laughs> that we get to pass on. What a, what a tremendous privilege we have as God's children to be able to pass on the good news that we've received to other people. Jesus said it was good news. At the start of his ministry, he got a chance to, to preach and, uh, in his hometown. And the first thing he did was to announce the good news that he came to tell everyone. Uh, he'd just started his ministry. He'd, he'd been in the sort of local area. He'd been moving around, doing some healing, doing some teaching, and had gathered quite a reputation. So then he came back to his hometown where he'd grown up, and, and by then he was a little bit of a kind of minor celebrity in the area. So you can imagine the excitement in his hometown. Hey, Jesus is around. Did you hear what he's been saying? Did you hear what he's been, been doing? Wow. Uh, let's invite him to preach in the synagogue. So Jesus, Saturday, uh, turned up at the synagogue and he was given a, a scripture to read and then he, he, uh, and, and then he preached. So, so that's the background to, to this reading. So let's have a look at it. It's in Luke chapter 4 uh, and we're starting from verse 16. Luke four sixteen. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, so of course, Scripture in those days was all on a big, long scroll, and in our, it was Isaiah 61, so it was a long way through the book of Isaiah, so it was a fair bit of unrolling to do here. But anyway, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. They sat down to preach. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious or words of grace that came from his lips. Jesus chose a passage to preach from, from Isaiah, prophecy about the Messiah coming, uh, that explained the incredible good news that the Messiah would bring. For people that had been oppressed politically and, and weren't doing well spiritually, this was wonderful news. The favour of God's coming on you. Be, you'll be released from oppression. The blind will see both, both physically and spiritually. Uh, your, people will be healed. People will, will walk and they'll, they'll enjoy God in new ways and in fresh ways. This is, the, this is the time now. This is the year. This is it. I've come to spread this wonderful good news that God's favour is coming on you. In fact, we know that he was emphasising how good the good news was because there was a little bit extra in the quote from Isaiah that he doesn't mention. Uh, At the end, it says, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, which is where Jesus stopped, there's a little bit more on the Isaiah, and the day of vengeance of our God. So he doesn't mention the vengeance bit. (laughs) He stops with, uh, this is the year of the Lord's favour. And it's true, isn't it, that, that, that the gospel, 
that Jesus came to proclaim the good news about the coming of the kingdom of God, that a fresh relationship with God, the availability of the Holy Spirit to everyone through the ministry of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, that, that this gospel is, in, is incredibly good news. It really is. Uh, to people that, are, that are, are struggling and hurting, the gospel says that, that your love, that God loves you intensely and wants to be with you and support you. Uh, to those that are captured by the world and the drive and determination that, that, that our world says you need these things. And, and, and the good news is that, that in fact, it's God says you don't need those things. You need me. That's really what's important. That I'm the one that loves you and that I'm the one that promises life that will last for forever and ever. To those that are lonely, to those that are disillusioned, God says that, that I'm your dad. Like, I just want to pour out my love and my grace uh, on your life. Uh, to those that are fearful, God says, I'll be with you forever. To those that are worried about the future, to those that are trapped by their sin and failure and their shame, that are feeling shame about their lives, uh, the gospel says you, you get a new start, like you know, your sin's forgiven, that you're released, that you're free. The gospel is, is, is good news and, and that's the good news that we have to share. And the response by his neighbours and friends, you know, the people that he grew up with is what you would expect. To such great news. It says in verse 22, all spoke well of him. They must have been allowed to talk during the service, not like us, all right? So all spoke well of him and were amazed at the words of grace that came from his lips. He said, this is incredible. This is wonderful. This is certainly good news. This is the time of the year's favour. This is exciting. So you're going to be completely flabbergasted by what happens next. If you don't know the story, let's read on and see what happens after this. Verse 22, the second part now. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote the proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum, which was another local town. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, they had no rain, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sinon, a non-Israelite, a Gentile. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, who was a Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What on earth happened here? They've just been saying, these words of grace are wonderful. And the next minute they're trying to kill him. Like, what's going on? What has happened? Somehow these people who were his friends growing up, who were his Bible teachers, who were his neighbours, somehow they've decided that this is not good news, that this is bad news. And they want to kill the messenger. Let me have a 
go through and just see if I can help you understand how this developed. All right. So the first thing is, first question is, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Now, you can see that in a positive way. Uh, they're saying, wow, this guy is speaking from Isaiah and applying it to himself. And, and this, is, this is one of our hometown boys. Like, this is incredible. You could see it positively, but in the light of what happened, what developed, it would seem that it's, we should see it negatively. Wait a minute. Like, these are great words, but wait a minute. He's claiming to be the Messiah. He's saying that these words are, are applied to him. But, but this is Joseph's son. Like, there's no Messiah. Like, he might be a special guy and he might do some good stuff, but he's no Messiah. Like, this is Joseph's son. Isn't, isn't this Joseph's son? So already they're questioning. They're saying, we can't believe that this is the Messiah. He might be a special person from God, but he... But he's, but he's not the Messiah. So they rejected him. So Jesus says, goes on and says, you will quote this proverb to me. So they're going to quote a proverb. They're going to say, well, come on, let's see that it works. Let's show us what you can do. And Jesus is saying, but, but you won't believe my message because you don't believe I'm the Messiah. So there's no point in all these miracles occurring if you won't believe. And then he goes on further and says, compares himself to the prophets in the Old Testament. And saying, but this is typical of you people. Like, this is what happened to the prophets. <laughs> they, they preached a message from God and they were rejected. Everyone rejected them and, and you're doing just the same thing. And then he really screws it down. He really rubs it in and says, yeah, like, really? What's happening here today is just like what happened to Israel in the time of Elijah and Elisha, which was probably one of the greatest times of apostasy of the nation. They had turned so far away from God that God wouldn't do anything for them. Uh, it was a time of great judgment on the people. And, and so God would, was doing miracles still, but the miracles he was doing was not for his people, but for other people around the place. He couldn't do anything for his own people because they rejected him. He said, that's what you people are like. So they said, we've had enough of this. <laughs> like, this is not good news about the coming of the Messiah. This is bad news. Like at, at the best, this guy's a madman. Something's gone to his head. Or at worst, he's, he's evil. He's proclaiming lies. And so they treated him like they felt they needed to treat him. They took him away and tried to throw him off a cliff. So this message of Jesus to the outsiders might appear to be, what did appear to be good news for them. I want wonderful news that, that this is the year of the, God's favour, that he's going to heal and he's going to restore and he's going to make people right and he's going to, to open the eyes of the blind. Like, like this is a wonderful time for the outsiders. But for the insiders, those that say, hey, well, my life's pretty well together and I know what God's wanting to do and it's not going to be this and they reject Jesus and in rejecting Jesus, they reject his message. To the insiders... It's seen as bad news, like this is not right, this is not good. This is not good for me, it's not good for our nation. We've got to get rid of this guy. This is actually a theme of Luke, right? So this is Luke setting it up right at the start. This is what Jesus did in his hometown. But as you go through the Gospel of Luke, this, these two messages are reinforced again and again and again. The first one is that, that, that to the outsiders, uh, this 
message and ministry of the Messiah is, is incredibly good news and is received as such. So in the Gospel of Luke, in particular, each of the Gospels has kind of a bit of a slant on the ministry of Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke, you find it again and again that it's, that it's those who are rejected receive the message. Those that are put down by society, those that are alienated or left out. And he spends more time talking about the women uh, and, and they're receiving the message of Jesus. Uh, so, so Luke focuses on this fact that, that to the outsiders, this is just wonderfully welcome news. This is such good news and they receive it and they get the blessing of God because they receive it. And Jesus goes around doing so much for those that are broken and hurting and needy. Uh, when John the Baptist sends some messages to Jesus and says, he's got a moment of doubt as most of us have at some stage and he says, Oh, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? This is what Jesus says. Report what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. <laughs> now that's good news, isn't it? <laughs> the outsiders receive it and welcome this wonderful news that the Messiah has come. And this means a new relationship with God and a release. And it still is wonderful news for the outsiders. I had the privilege at the beginning of this year of, of baptising a young lady. Uh, she had started to come to church and she'd, she was in her late 20s, I think. And, and she'd, been, she'd lived in the valley for a number of years and just got with the wrong crowd and, and messed up her life and lived in a way that was uh, very, very displeasing to God. And, and she started to come to church and she started to, to drink in this wonderful good news that could be, it was for her. And, uh, and as she did so, she became a Christian. And, and, uh, and she asked me because uh, if, if I would baptise her. And I thought, what a tremendous privilege, you know. And, uh, and so as I baptised her, and this was like, she was just so excited about what Jesus had done and the freedom and forgiveness that she'd found. Forgiveness, incredible. And she came out of the baptistry, you know, she came out of the water. It was a, like a fist pump like that. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, the gospel's fantastic news for those that have needs, for those that are struggling, for those that recognise their brokenness. Wonderful, wonderful news. But the other thing, and that's so the theme of Luke, is that the gospel is fantastic news and uh, for the outsiders who receive the message of Jesus and welcome it so much. But the second theme of the Gospel of Luke is that, is that Jesus' ministry uh, brought rejection as well. The, the insiders rejected the message and rejected the ministry of Jesus. And so we find this time and time again, these two things. They, they saw it as bad news. So, so the outsiders receiving it in good news and the insiders rejecting it as bad news. It starts here uh, with uh, his hometown. Uh, then it moves on to the religious leaders. We find the religious leaders uh, constantly rejecting the, the message of Jesus and not seeing it as good news but as dangerous news, as bad news for them and their nation. And finally, it, it, it culminates in the whole of Jerusalem rejecting the message of Jesus and saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, and so there's these two themes that, that the outsiders see it as good, good news and they're wonderfully transformed by the by the grace of God and the insiders miss out and not only reject the message but reject the Messiah uh, as well. These are the two themes of, of Luke. 
And it's this good news, bad news tension that we find here for the, for the first time. Well, the mission of Jesus has now become our mission. The way Jesus works, generally, he does, he can work in his power in great ways without, without us being involved. But generally, the way he works in our world is he works for his people. We are the presence of Jesus. We are the voice of Jesus. He speaks uh, through us. And so we have the same mission that Jesus had, and that is we have, have to come to proclaim the good news, the message of freedom, of hope, that this is the time of God's favour, that he's ready to accept you through what Jesus has done on the cross, that you can be right and in relationship with God and be secure forever. Like, like this wonderful news is the news that we have to proclaim. But as for Jesus, some people see this as bad news. Uh, they don't like this news. It challenges their, their ideas. Uh, they, they see it as, as judgmental. They, they can't see it as good news. To them, it seems like bad news. And, and so they reject the good news. And in rejecting the good news, seeing it as bad news, they reject those who, who speak the good news as well. And so therefore, in our job as, 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 as carriers of this good news, sharers of this good news, then there's rejection and suffering for those that, that proclaim this good news. Accept that. In my life, and, and perhaps in yours, there actually isn't much suffering for sharing the good news. Like, like the suffering living life in a broken world, a sinful world, and we suffer because of that. There's, there's, there's suffering because we're dealing with people that are broken and sinful just like we are, and the suffering in that. But suffering for actually sharing the good news and people seeing it as bad news and therefore suffering because of that... I don't see a lot of that in my life, and perhaps you don't either. And my question is, why is that the case? Like, if this is inevitable, as we share good news, that some people will take it as bad news, and therefore we will suffer because of it. Like, like if that is the truth of the, what happens with the gospel, then why are we missing out? So I've got some ideas, all right? So um, these are three ideas that are possible ideas of why we don't perhaps suffer in the same way that Jesus or the early church or many Christians are suffering in our world. Well, the first one is that maybe it's because there's not many insiders these days. Most of the people that we're sharing the good news with are outsiders and therefore they receive it. There's not too many people that feel that the gospel is a dangerous thing or or the good news about Jesus is judgmental, or, or, or um, Christians are, are bad, legalistic people, whatever it might be. Do you know what I mean? Like, like most people are outsiders. And I think particularly at this time with COVID and all the rest, the, the numbers of outsiders are growing. That is people that recognise that they have needs. Those are people recognise that they haven't got their life altogether. And so as we share the good news, those people may or may not believe it, but they won't uh, rejected in the same way that insiders do, that feel they've got their life together and they know what life's about and they know where they're going and this is seen as a bad news to them because it's not what they think. And so with more outsiders around the place, so I would think that many people who receive those hampers this week, which is a wonderful thing, a lot of those are actually outsiders. In fact, you target them towards outsiders really, you know. So they're outsiders. They, they, they know that they've got needs. They know that there's, their life isn't together and and. They're open to the, to the good news. And so there's, if there's more people like that, then we won't suffer as much <laughs> as those that are insiders, uh, if, if there's a lot of insiders around. That could be part of the reason. I think it is part of the reason. 
Uh, we are, I know there's been negativity towards the church, but we are in a culture, I believe, that's becoming increasingly open to spiritual things. All right, so that's, that's one possibility. Uh, the second possibility is that we're just more sensitive than Jesus is. Or someone said to me, you should say gutless, but, but I wouldn't say that. Do you know what I mean? But we're just like, like Jesus... Jesus went the full hog here, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like, like to say to people, well, you're just like your ancestors that were so far away from God that he didn't even touch their lives or wouldn't do miracles among them. That's what you're like. Like, we wouldn't do a thing like that. We've read books about how to win friends and influence people. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we're, 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 we're much more careful about sharing the, the good news and keeping it to be good news as much as we, as much as we possibly can, you know. Uh, so, so we are more sensitive. You know, it's okay for Jesus. Like, he just moved on to the next town. <laughs> but we can't do that, can we? You know, some people don't like us at work because we're sharing the good news. We can't just move or some people have enough family. You know, we can't move that. So we're, so we're a bit more sensitive. We're not quite so harsh. We're not so... Uh, uh, wrong in what we have to say, we're a bit more gentle, a bit more sensitive than, than Jesus was. And I think that's, there's a good deal of truth, isn't that, isn't that, you know, that we are, we are careful, we are sensitive, we try to share good news in a nice, friendly, gentle way, uh, and so there's some truth in that, that's why we don't suffer so much. The third possibility that I've thought of, and this is probably for me, particularly, so you've got to see whether it applies to you. But maybe the problem is we don't like sharing bad news so much that we only share the good news when we're certain it's going to be seen as good news. If there's some doubt that people might not like this, that people might not agree with this, that people might see things differently, then we're very careful not to to say too much because they might take it as bad news. So we're, we're happy to do alpha, you know, we can talk to people that are open about the gospel. Or someone comes to us and said, you know, what's, what's this Christianity about? We're really happy to, to talk about Jesus. But, but if we're not sure, then we're very careful not to say too much because the last thing we want is for people to take it as bad news. And then we get a reaction uh, because of that. Now, of course, some people are very open. Some people are just so captured by Jesus that they just can't help themselves. <laughs> some people are a bit relationally insensitive, you know, so they don't understand that people are offended by what they're saying, you know, and I guess we know people like that too. But, but generally, I think this is true for most of us. We won't share the good news unless we're absolutely certain it'll be seen as good news. And if there's any doubts, we pull back. Uh, the NCR surveys, which we're doing again uh, next year, which is surveys in Australian Baptist, uh, not Baptist, Australian churches uh, every five years, clearly shows that visually, sharing the gospel visually, in other words, showing people what Jesus is like, we're doing better than we've ever done before. And hampers are an example of that. Do you know what I mean? We're showing people the gospel. We're living it out. We're missioning. We're, we're caring. We're serving. So uh, visually, we're doing better than we have ever done before. Verbally, we're doing worse than we've ever done before. So in other words, speaking for Jesus, we're doing less of that than ever before. Now, when I say speaking for Jesus, I don't just mean telling the whole of the gospel. 
It might be just saying, well, I'm a Christian, or it might be saying, hey, why don't you come to one of our Christmas services, you know, or watch it online with that. Like, I'm not necessarily saying we have to say it all, (laughs) but recognising we've got good news and we're not sure how this person's going to take it, but, hey, (laughs) this is good news and we don't want people to miss out. So if that's true, now I think all of those reasons are true, do you know what I mean? But if that's, particularly that last one, if that's true, how do we become more bold? Like how did Jesus keep on going when he knew that many of the people he was speaking to, they were in the crowd the whole time, would take this as bad news, whatever he said? How did the early church do it when they knew what they were saying was wonderful good news, but many people would be offended by it? Like how did they keep doing it? And just three suggestions that uh, come from that, and I'm Hope that they're helpful for me and perhaps for you as well. Uh, the first thing is that, that you find Jesus, well, he obviously did, and the early church is the same. They, they knew that they had good news. They really believed it, that this actually is wonderful news. Whether people believe it or not, this is wonderful news for everyone. They, they actually believed that. Jesus knew that he had good news. He knew that when he got up to preach, although some people would take it as bad news, that there were many outsiders there that needed to hear the good news. <laughs> he knew that it would transform their lives. And so, so he, he was just confident. And, and part of what we've got to do is look into ourselves and say, how much do I believe this is good news? Like not just Sunday when we're all gathering and singing these wonderful songs, but, but when I go out there with my friends or with my family, do I really believe this is good news for them? That this could transform their, form their lives? Like, like they believe that they really did have the good news. And that's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, and I'm sorry, I'll just give you a verse for that, Romans 1.18, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to people, that saves people. Uh, The second thing is they counted the cost. They recognised that some people, no matter what they did, were going to take it as bad news. No matter how they said it, some people would not agree with it. And and so they said, that's a cost in it. If I'm going to share the good news, I'm going to share it openly, then there's going to be a cost for that and I've got to count that cost. Uh, From 2 Timothy 1.8. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Paul was in prison because of his sharing the good news. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Jesus got negative reactions, so will we. You won't be popular in some places. Uh, Some people will be embarrassed. Some people may ignore you. Some may ridicule you to your face or behind your back. Uh, So some will see the good news as distasteful, and you can't really help that. We need to be sensitive and caring and not judgmental or all the rest, but you've got to count that cost somewhere. I've got to count that cost somewhere. Some people are not going to like And then thirdly, so they were confident that they really did have good news that was desperately needed. They counted the cost and said, okay, there's going to be a cost in this. I recognise that and that's okay. And then thirdly, they prayed for boldness and pushed more boldly. (laughs) Right at the start when the church was formed and the spirit came and they were out preaching so excited about the good news they had about Jesus, just preaching to everyone. The religious leaders didn't like them, dragged them, you know, and they'd seen what they'd done to Jesus, all right? So dragged them into the Sanhedrin and, and sat them down and said, okay, you guys, 
you know, this has got to stop, right? You cannot share this anymore. Jesus is dead. He's gone, right? He's finished. Get back to your jobs. Stop the sharing of this, of this gospel. Um, they didn't call it gospel. But stop the sharing. Talk, stop talking about Jesus. You can't do this anymore. Is that clear? Or there will be consequences. So they went home and had a prayer meeting. And this is what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. <laughs> Lord, listen to what they have to say. But for us, give us boldness, Lord. Give us boldness. And that's what we're praying for, a boldness about our faith. Knowing that some people... There's so many people, if it's, the trouble is if we don't share the good news, I'm speaking to myself here, if we don't share the good news, the outsiders won't get to hear it. And you don't know who's outsiders and who's insiders. And so many outsiders are missing out. So with great boldness. And as I said, it's not, doesn't that mean we have to say everything about the cross and all the rest? That will come in time. But it does mean we speak for Jesus. We've got to invite people to situations where they'll hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus. We've got to let people know who we are and what we stand, what we believe. We've got to live it out, yes. We've got to speak it too. <laughs> Visual and verbal with the gospel. And with boldness, with boldness. And many of you are bold. I know you already are. So uh, God bless you in that. But for many of us, Lord, we pray for boldness. We had some cards at the front. Um, they're like these little cards, all of just a couple of lines on them. They're from Alpha. And they're just saying, uh, over this Christmas time, Lord, uh, there's some people I want to pray for. I want to pray that they'll hear the gospel. I want to pray that they'll be outsiders, that they'll be open to it. They'll recognize their own brokenness. And just people we pray for, right? That's where it starts, right? It doesn't start with just going out and saying anything you want. It starts with praying for people. And then God gives opportunities. And so uh, as we sing, I know it's a bit hard here. It's a bit too many people. Well, it's not too many people, but there's a lot of people around. It's hard to get past people and all the rest. But we'd love it if you could come forward and grab one of these. There's some pens there if you want to fill it out today or if you just want to take it home and, and fill it out. But fill out these and say, God, give me boldness with these people. <laughs> well, I want to pray that they might hear the good news of the gospel. Let me pray, hey, and then Nathan's going to come and take over. Well, Lord, we see what you went through. And yet it never stopped you, Lord Jesus. You had good news, wonderful good news, Lord, that you had to proclaim. And the broken and the needy and the struggling and the isolated and those that were rejected, Lord, welcomed the good news. They came flooding in, Lord. Receive your healing, receive your forgiveness, receive your life tax collectors and the prostitutes, Lord. The women and the needy, Lord Jesus. The widows, Lord, they, 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 you had good news for them and they flooded into your kingdom. And we pray for that again, Lord, a flooding in. Oh, Lord, that people might recognise that they're not insiders, but actually they're outsiders. They haven't got their lives together, Lord. They're broken and needy. You have the answers for them. Oh, we cry out for our friends, our family, the people we work with, Lord. Oh, Lord, that you might open their eyes to them being outsiders, Lord. But that you will give us a boldness to be real about our faith, to speak about you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, listen 
hear what people say, and Lord, may we speak your word boldly. We pray to you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, John, so much. I didn't know what um, John was going to be sharing on when I asked him to speak, and I thought, wow, what a what a powerful word, a, a timely word for us as a church as we are about to step into this Christmas season. I believe that this is one of the most strategic times that God has given to us to be able to reach out with the good news of the message of hope and life in Jesus. We know that people's lives have been shaken, the foundations, the things they've been putting their trust in, and people are searching. We know that. The research shows an increase in prayer, people looking. And this Christmas season, we have an incredible opportunity to speak and to share the good news. And so I want you to really want to encourage you as we sing this song now to respond, these cards down the front here. As John said, it begins with prayer. I want to encourage you to come. Ask the Spirit of God to put the names of people on your heart, particularly for this Christmas season. Ask Him to, to show who are the people, Lord, that you want me to be speaking to, that you want, want to give me more boldness and courage to share with. Begin with prayer and then get ready. I want to tell you that. Pray and then be ready because God will open up opportunities. I've seen this so many times. Be ready to respond. Be ready to, when that conversation opens up, be ready with boldness and courage, sensitivity, love and grace to speak and to share the good news of the hope found in Jesus. So this is God speaking to us this morning. I really believe that. We don't want to miss this opportunity. We don't want to miss it out on this and look back in the years to come and go, oh, I wish we'd done more in that season. Now is the day of salvation. It is. And so why don't we respond together? Come down the front, take a card. If you want to fill it in right here and now, God's putting some, maybe God's prompting you about some people right now, the Holy Spirit. Don't miss these moments. It's easy to leave and then you know, forget about it with all the other distractions of life. Take hold of this moment this morning to respond in faith. Let's stand together as we do that. Let's stand as we sing this song. You feel free to come to the tables down here at the front. Respond in faith this morning. Let's do that. This morning, I know it, Lord, so clearly. Thanks for Tuesday. We're praying together over this Christmas season. And now, Lord, you're speaking to us to be bold and courageous, Lord, to be ready because you're going to open up opportunities. I believe that, Lord. You're going to open up many opportunities over these next few weeks as we pray, as we seek, Lord, um, you in a greater way than ever before, as we open our hearts, Lord, to the promptings of your Spirit. So I want to pray, Lord, the names of these people that you're calling us to now, Lord. I pray you'll open up incredible opportunities and that when they open, Lord, you'll fill us with boldness and courage, just like those first believers did there in the early church, Lord, that you'll help us to be able to step into it. And then you'll give us the words to speak, Lord, full of grace, full of love, but full of truth, Lord. We pray. This is the greatest message in all the world. Lord, we pray for blessing over that Inspire Christmas program. We ask, Lord. We pray blessing over our Christmas services. May there be an incredible fruitfulness that flows, Lord. Many people crossing from death to life. We pray through those services. We ask, great God. And so, Lord, use us as your people, we pray. Just as we've sung, Lord, use us, Lord. Lord, with, without, Lord, you coming, you working through us, Lord, how are these people here? That's what your Word says. How will they know unless people are sent to know them? Well, Lord, I pray, commission us now as your people, I pray. Anointing of your Holy Spirit. We can't wait to hear the many stories of the way you're going to move through this. So we commit this to you now and pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. Just wanted to mention as well, I didn't, forgot to mention earlier that our op shop garage is opening this week as well. Great opportunity. If you want to reach out, bring them along to the coffee shop up there, the op shop and the garage opening, which will have um, garden goods and sports goods and everything up there as well. And just a reminder that we're still exiting out through the side doors as well. And there's some offering containers there as well if you want to give. God bless you.
Thanks so much. And feel free to keep coming and grabbing these cards even after the service as well. God bless.